Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Big day on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Kind of a weird day on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Not gonna lie. Welcome to the show. It is Wednesday, March 25th. I'm Adam Azer. Hey, Scott White. What's going on? Hello. Nothing weird about me. Chris, what are you doing right now? What do you, what do you mean? I I don't know what you're trying to accomplish on Skype. You're trying to do something and it's I didn't see anything. Oh, I, I made a reference to stunning Steve Austin before the show and you didn't know what I meant. Correct. Uh so I had to uh I had to send you a picture of pre-stone cold Steve Austin. Oh, was he He stunning? was known as Stunning Steve Austin really? in WWE and he had long uh beautiful gold locks that were clearly already thinning this this man needed to shave his head it was a good because i was i was talking about how one of my quarantine experiments experience experiments wow was i'm gonna shave my head tomorrow just fully bald see what it looks like just because i'm you know you guys can see on the video the podcast listeners can't but it, the widow's peak is uh it's getting pretty precarious you know like it's one of those rocks that like looks like it could fall at any time and so I'm just preparing for the inevitable here. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I I don't I don't want you to do that, but I think ultimately your wife should decide. But anyway, why is today a big day? Is it because we're talking about some sleepers, breakouts, and busts? Kind of because of whose sleepers, breakouts, and busts? Uh, is it because uh, we are reading ADP or emails? No, it's because today might be my last day hosting the show. <gasps> it's weird to say. Yes, I know. Right, Somebody should react to that. <laughs> uh, I'm still going to be on the show, but we have a new team member who is going to be a younger version of me, a smarter version of me, better version of me, with better hair than me. We have a new host slash producer of Fantasy Baseball today. He's getting his own walk-up music. Frank Stamford. Getting his Mandy Moore walk-up music. Chris is jamming right now. Oh, my. Yeah. Frank is going to be like candy to this podcast. Frank, welcome to CBS. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today. Well, thank you, Adam, for that uh, stunning introduction. Uh, I think Chris Towers probably enjoyed it more than anybody else here on the show. Uh, But I do appreciate it. This is honestly a surreal moment for me because I've been listening to you guys legitimately since it feels like since the start of the podcast. You know, I feel Mm -hmm. like I've heard it all. Uh, I have some things to take up with you, Adam, in terms of the takes, and I'm sure many people do. But, man, this is so awesome. So excited to be here. Uh, Happy to jump in, man. Do yeah. you were you listening to it since the days Jamie Eisenberg was hosting it? <laughs> what? Jamie used to host ago was that? Because I, I don't even know. I, that. I don't even think we were a daily at that point. I think we were still weekly. But um, yeah, that's that's going back more than a decade. That's how long Adam Azer has been hosting this podcast with with me. I mean, I guess I've been on the longest of the people who are still on. But Adam and I have been at it for a long, long time. Yeah, it's been a while. Frank's been a loyal listener. Frank's been hosting podcasts himself. He worked for SportsGrid. I've seen him on MSG before Knicks games talking about DFS for fantasy basketball. He's not just a fantasy baseball guy. He's just a diehard fantasy player. I've met the guy. Frank is super nice. Great, great guy. And I think he's going to fit in perfectly. He's just the right fit for the kind of show we do. He's already has, He sent an email today that was just so overwhelming. Podcast ideas. Uh, so many ideas. And I haven't gotten really through all of them, but that's what he's bringing to the table. Like he's just full of ideas. He is ready to go. And for me, I'm going to, once the season starts in 2021, LOL, once the season starts at some point, uh, yeah, I don't know that, that will be a rotation. Like Frank will be me. Frank will be on every day. Uh, maybe I'll be on three times a week. Scott, four times a week. Chris, three times a week, something like that. But this is your FBT team and it's going to be quarterbacked by Frank and Frank. You're also going to be doing, you're going to eventually host the show maybe as early as 
this week, tomorrow or Friday. But you're also going to be doing rankings, right? You're going to be uh, another ranker to kind of put Scott in his place, which we which we need around here. Yeah. <laughs> I need yeah, to be so put I'll, in my place often. Yeah, I'll have rankings. I'll contribute articles as well. My sleepers, breakouts, and busts are already published on CBSSports.com. Thank you, Chris Towers. I will have rankings at some point. I'm currently working through that because – uh, it is quite an overwhelming process. When I saw top 600, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to have to go a little bit deeper here, but uh, I love to do it. No doubt about it. Um, I'm going to be happy to dispute some rankings with uh, Scott White as well. In my introduction video on Twitter, uh, I announced, Scott, we love your rankings, but who doesn't love rankings debates? Something that you and uh, Heath Cummings have done for a long time together as well. So I'm happy to bring that to the table. I'll have roto rankings, head-to-head points rankings, AL only, NL only, auction values as well. Uh, I have it all. And hopefully huge disparities so that we can argue a bunch, Scott. <laughs> I do uh I do have to say, um, you know, I I used to do rankings and I've had people ask me why I don't do rankings anymore. And that was maybe my favorite part about switching roles was not having to do rankings anymore. You guys are incredible people for doing it. It's by far my least favorite part of this. Having to be held accountable publicly for the things that you believe <laughs> the worst yeah and i hope if you're going to be the new heath i hope you have a i hope we have a frank sigh or something like that something like this uh, uh, <laughs> do it do it do it uh, <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so you have to work on that all right so listen let's talk about noah Syndergaard. ellen adair came on yesterday and jinx noah Syndergaard and broke his his uh, ucl so he's having Tommy John surgery. And then we're going to get to some of Frank's sleepers, breakouts, and busts. Just two of each. He's got more, but today we'll just get two of each. So, Scott, your reaction to Noah Syndergaard needing Tommy John? Well, I can't say I saw that coming. Different from Chris Sale's situation where you were halfway expecting it. It was telegraphed. Um, obviously, you know, we're talking about at some point in 2021, that's when we're hoping he'll be back. It probably won't be at the start of the year. It's it's another instance of a guy who was struggling with his effectiveness in a way that was kind of difficult to understand leading up to the injury. I don't know if I don't know if that's just a narrative I'm applying to it. Um, to get it to make sense or if there's some legitimacy to that. But I, I feel like that happens often. A guy's struggling and you, you can't really put your finger on why. And then before you know it, he's having Tommy John surgery. So I, I don't know. I, I, I look, that's kind of the optimistic spin on it, I guess, is that, okay, well, maybe he comes back when he comes back from this, he'll be the Noah Syndergaard we always knew with the huge strikeout rate and everything. Uh, but obviously, it's a long road back, and and no guarantees it's going to go perfectly. And yeah, you know, I didn't get a chance to read the article, but David David Schoenfield on ESPN wrote a story about the growing list of injured hard throwers in MLB, and that certainly did occur to me as well. You know, Luis Severino and Syndergaard among the hardest throwers in baseball, and is that something, Frank, that from a keeper dynasty standpoint, we should be considering? That guy, starting pitchers that throw hard, they seem to uh, run into some arm issues. Well, it's going to be hard to find pitchers nowadays who don't throw hard because it seems like even the younger pitchers that are coming up now and the guys that we expect to take that next step, the Jesus Lazardos of the world, they all throw hard as well. So it's going to be hard to avoid uh, any pitchers that are younger that are throwing hard nowadays because it seems like that's what a lot of pitching coaches are teaching is, you know, throw as hard as you can. It, we've seen that out of the Houston Astros the past couple of seasons, you know, reach back and gain that extra mile or two uh, per hour for, from guys like Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander with the Houston Astros. Uh, so it's going to be hard to avoid that, in my opinion. When it comes to Noah Syndergaard, he was someone for me that was actually pretty tough to rank this upcoming season because it seems like we're always chasing that 2016 season, which was a phenomenal one from him. But since then, he either hasn't been able to stay healthy or he's been able to stay healthy and hasn't performed, which was the case last year when he almost threw 200 innings. But he also did that with a 4.28 ERA and a 1.23 whip. The swinging strike rate has been trending down for four seasons in a row as well. So I still had him ranked inside my top 20 starting pitchers. But I will say it was reluctantly because for all the talent that he has, it seems like 
Syndergaard has never really been able to put it all together uh, in a single season. So the, the article, trying to skim it now, of the 25 hardest-throwing starting pitchers from 2018, 11 of them had or have since had Tommy John surgery. So that's before I mean, or after. That's a lot, 11 out of 25. Chris, I knew Chris was going to push back on this. Well, I just, like, I, I think it's undoubtable that throwing harder puts more strain on your elbow, although everybody's body's different. Some people are built to, to withstand that. Um, but that's, what, 40%, 44%? something like that is that that different from the percentage of all starting pitchers who have tommy john surgery at some point i don't know I'd i don't to find think out. it is you would know i feel like more than any of us except maybe frank i don't know maybe frank would know but i don't know <laughs> that's right there. No, it's it feels like it feels like uh i don't know it's 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 a it's a column that feels 2000 and late to me you well, know, it wasn't. It's like, the, the, been going on for a long time. The crux of the column was more about the Mets. Just to be fair, yeah. um, I don't want to. I don't want to trash David Chauvin. No, I think it's. I think it's an interesting <laughs> column. Okay, and then uh, Chris, we have a, an update on a possible timeline for the start of the season. Uh, the answer is no, we don't. But there was a tweet that at least gave some insight into what people are thinking right now. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Frank, your former colleague Craig Mish, tweeted that major league that. Major League Baseball is still working on it. They're still, obviously, they don't know when the season's going to start, but they're starting to plan out, you know, something like 140 to 150 game season, um, possibly with weekly double headers, with regular season games stretching into October. It's uh, it's an interesting idea. I think you're going to have to expand rosters to 30 if you're going to do double headers every week. I just don't know how teams are going to be able to stand up to that kind of workload with the pitching staffs uh, without it. Yeah, they did, well, yeah, I don't know there, about 30, but there definitely going to be expanded. There, there's been talk of expanding rosters. I don't know if it'd be quite to 30. Uh, obviously, they could have guys that they're sending up and down, kind of the taxi squad, I guess, to accommodate for that. But, you know, it's it's... Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I am for playing them playing more games than less, and it sounds like both the player side and and the owner side are for that too. So that's that's a good thing. But I saw in Jeff Passan's col- column on ESPN that I mean they're thinking maybe the All Star break at this point for when they get the season started, and even with double headers every week in that scenario. Um, you're looking at a greatly shortened season. So it's still, there's still a lot to sort out here. I think the only thing that's really been agreed upon, right, is that, um, is that if there is some semblance of a season this year, that it will count as a full year of service time. Yeah, I did see that. So that's, that is good. Well, uh, we'll see what happens. And if, if there's not, there's still going to be some some fighting to going going on on that front. It's going to be a pretty interesting. Fight. I, can you imagine if the Dodgers traded for Mookie Betts and then they don't get anything from him? Because like I, I I don't see that scenario playing out where the season is lost and it still counts as a full year of service time. But who knows? Yeah, it's gonna that would be one heck of a fight. Hopefully, it does not come to that. We have other podcasts. In fact, if you want to hear some baseball insider insight in a podcast, check out uh, Nothing Personal with David Sampson. You can see all of our shows at cbssports.com slash podcasts. And we just have a great roster, a great lineup of shows. So uh, go ahead, cbssports.com slash podcast and check it out. Also, HQ, CBS Sports HQ. Download the CBS Sports HQ app, 24-7 streaming sports coverage. If you're bored, which you are, and you need some sports coverage, check out CBS Sports HQ. And I know that all this week we have fantasy football today live at noon Eastern. Sleepers, breakouts, and busts. All right, Frank, let's start with uh, two of your favorite sleepers this year. Cesar Hernandez. Maybe, maybe the first time his name has been said in, in a long he time. Really, he really is replacing Heath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about that? Heath always liked Cesar Hernandez. Now with the Cleveland Indians. Go ahead. What do you like about Cesar Hernandez as a sleeper? Yeah, so Cesar Hernandez, I mean, his ADP is just so far 
down right now. And he's going behind players like D Gordon, who currently don't have a starting job and Nick Madrigal, who's likely going to start the season in the minor leagues. Maybe the White Sox will be a little bit more aggressive. They've done that with a lot of their prospects thus far. Uh, but Cesar Hernandez, look, I think if he just does what he what he's done the past couple of seasons, he's easily going to outperform his ADP right now. Uh, he's raised the launch angle the past couple of seasons, 15 and 14 home runs, respectively, each of the past two seasons. And I think moving over to the Cleveland Indians is something that's going to help his stolen base output. I know if you look at last year, it was a four-year low for him, five-year low. He had nine stolen bases last year. The previous four years before that, he was in double-digit stolen bases. Now he joins the Cleveland Indians where Terry Francona, since he's taken over, has been one of the more aggressive, uh, you know, in terms of his team uh, being allowed to steal bases and having the green light. He's been, you know, one of the most aggressive. They've ranked in the top half of the league uh, each of the seven seasons that he's been the manager. They've ranked top 10 in five of the seven seasons as well. So I think Cesar Hernandez, good OBP, uh, makes contact, solid uh, solid walk rate, solid plate discipline. So I think regardless of its roto or head-to-head points, he can help you in either format. I think 15 home runs, close to 15 stolen bases, and the potential for him to lead off, he can provide run scored as well because they're talking about moving Francisco Lindor down into the middle of that lineup. Uh, it's just like a very unsexy name, Cesar Hernandez, but I think someone that could very easily outperform his average draft position. Scott, Chris, it's Chris. Oh, he's tr- I guess it's a... If you're talking about a draft scenario, and obviously if you get into like 15 team leagues or something deeper, then it changes the math a bit. But if you're talking about like a 12 team league, I don't feel like Hernandez has the kind of ceiling that I like to invest draft capital on. I I think it's highly plausible, especially at second base, that as the season plays out, as some of the high upside types higher upside types like maybe a Garrett Hampson or something like that don't pan out as injuries take their toll. Hernandez very likely will become a startable player for somebody in his 12 team league in a 12 team league. But I just, I haven't been interested in drafting him yet because I see upside in other places in the late rounds. I think it does come down to where he hits in the lineup. If, if he does hit first or second for the Cleveland Indians, that's going to be a really good place for him to hit. Um, I'm just not 100% sure he will. I would need confirmation on that beforehand. But if he does, it's going to be a, a very valuable lineup spot where he could you know, score 110 runs. And that's going to make him a starting caliber fantasy option, especially with likely 15 homers and you know, upwards of 20 steals. Was he really the 12th best second baseman in points last year? 16th in Roto. 279, 14 homers, nine steals. I that's what, he played 161 games, so that certainly helps. I I know he wasn't top 12 in points per game, but I do think he finished 12th. If you play a lot of games, you will. All right, that's Cesar Hernandez. The next one is Jay Happ, and we've actually recently talked about liking Jay Happ. And uh, what do you think about Jay Happ? Yeah, I like Jay Hab. I most uh, I know most people probably will not be excited to draft a 37-year-old starting pitcher coming off a season uh, where he had a 4.91 ERA and a 1.30 WHIP. And I know that you're a Yankees fan, Adam, and you've probably watched a ton of Jay Hab uh, the past couple of years. And last year, he was dreadful. Look, there's no way around it. He allowed a ton of home runs. I think some of that can be related to the juiced ball. Uh, you know. 18.3% home run to fly ball ratio, 1.9 home runs per nine, both the highest marks of his career. And there's definitely a chance that he's just kind of slowing down at the age that he's at. But I will say that his fastball velocity is basically where it's been for his entire career. It's someone who relies heavily on his fastball, much like Lance Lynn. Uh, his swinging strike rate was 10.3%, which was the second highest of his career last year. So the underlying numbers to me don't really support the fact that he's really gotten that much worse. Uh, And from 2015 to 2018, he was very serviceable uh, for fantasy purposes, regardless of format. A 3.48 ERA and a 1.21 whip during that span. I don't know that that's realistic for him. He'll probably pitch higher to like a a high threes ERA, closer to four. But I think, you know, for where he's going, you take him on your bench. He has upside to, to give you wins, quality starts, the run support of the Yankees as well. He's had success in that division, pitching with the Toronto Blue Jays against other, you know, uh, great lineups the past couple of years. So I just think for where he's going, there's nothing but profit to be had. Scott, you wrote about Jay Happ recently, didn't you? 
I, I kind of wanted to include him on my deep sleepers article, which was 35 names. So why would I draw the line there? And it, it turned out J Hap was going earlier, like too early. He missed the cutoff because he was going in like the 250 range among players. But I he was a guy who gained sleeper appeal for me as spring training was playing out because it was apparent he had done some work mechanically in the off season and had uh, made some changes there. And considering he was a guy who had 9.8 strikeouts per nine innings in 2018, and then that dropped to 7.8 per nine in 2019, like something was going on there. Something was going on. He's been an up and down player throughout his career, Jay Happ. So considering all the benefits that a Yankees pitcher has with that lineup, that bullpen, and he was a 17-game winner between the Blue Jays and Yankees in 2018 also with that great strikeout rate. So it 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 does seem like uh, the majority were writing Jay Happ off too soon. So I'm with Frank on that one. By the way, Cesar Hernandez was actually 27th in points per game among <laughs> wow. second basemen last year. That's a big disparity per game versus 12th overall. Wow. Well, I think he was 12th overall. I'll double check. So, the best ability is availability. Yeah, Scott. it's true. That's right, Chris. That's right. You he, tell him. Here's what I don't what I don't like about Hab is I think they will have zero trust in him if he puts a runner on base in the sixth inning. He's coming out. Yeah, you know, they're going to have a really quick, quick hook with him, and I think that he's going to have to pitch very well to get you quality starts. They're they're not going to let like because the Yankees have such a good bullpen, they're just going to get him out of the game. Uh, I think earlier than he's going to want to be out of the game and earlier than his than his fantasy owner is going to be out of the game. And that's what played out last year. Uh, he didn't pitch well, though. So that's part of it, too. But even down the stretch, you know, started to pitch a little bit better and made two quality starts, gosh, in his last two months. Uh, so that, you know, I guess that's a problem. We'll see. We'll see if that happens. But I suspect <laughs> that is a possibility. That that kind of comes with the territory of being like the 250th player off the board as a pitcher, yeah, though. But right? if he's like, a who, five that, who are you going to draft that late? Who isn't getting pulled early? Like Brad Keller, somebody like that. You gotta Dakota. You gotta Hudson. cross. You gotta cross the bridge before you worry about the troll on the other side, Adam. Yes, if he pitches well, that won't be as much of a concern. I, I think it will. If he be. doesn't pitch well, it he won't be on your team. I think regardless, it's going to be a concern. As is the point I'm trying to make. You know he. I just think that no matter how good J-Hap is, considering his age, considering how badly they need their pitchers to stay healthy, they're not going to tax him, and he's going to be a low-inning guy. That's my guess on Hap. So we'll see. That Obviously, just a theory. All right, Frank, your breakouts. Matt Boyd and Fran Mil Reyes, both of them are no stranger to the home run. Yeah, that is correct. Uh, look, Fran Mil Reyes, uh, I think that if you're looking for power, specifically in a Roto League, he, he is someone that uh, has massive upside, it, and he's going later than everybody else who you know, basically is considered like the stat cast heroes, like Aaron Judge, Nelson Cruz, Miguel Sano, all those players. Fran Mil Reyes is basically going last of that entire group, and uh, you, know, you can argue that, yes, he still hits too many ground balls, but that's trending in the right direction where he's you know, lowered the ground ball rate the past couple of seasons. He's raised his average launch angle 2.7 degrees from 2018 to 2019. Uh, and he had 31 home runs last year. And that was with changing leagues where he struggled a little bit when he came over to the American League uh, with the Cleveland Indians as well. But just in terms of, you know, the, the his contact, his quality of contact when he makes contact over the past two seasons, 46.2% hard contact rate that ranked ranks set a uh, 15th among all hitters with 750 plate appearances. Uh, and his 93.3 mile per hour average exit velocity was in the 99th percentile that ranked fourth in all of baseball behind only judge Sano and Cruz. So there's no doubt that when he hits the ball, uh, he impacts the ball very hard. And I think that he's trending in the right direction in terms of raising that launch angle. And if he takes another step in that direction, we could be talking about, if it were a 162-game season, a 40 to 45 home run hitter with a 260 to 265 batting average. The 249 batting average last year, a little bit misleading. His expected batting average was 264. So I think we could see some positive regression there as well. Let me ask you guys, if in a Roto League, I understand it would be a category thing because they're so different. But in a points league, would you rather have Framil Reyes or uh, David Dahl? 
I'd rather have Dahl. That's that's kind of assuming Framil Reyes doesn't make any improvement in the plate discipline department. Uh, he actually wasn't a guy who struck out a ton in the minors, so I'm not I'm not ruling out him getting better in that regard. But it's, I mean, the disparity in terms of point per game production there is pretty extreme. David Dahl was 3.05, and Framil Reyes was uh, 2.48. So. I got to go doll there. I will, I will point out just like to, to kind of double back to something Frank said, switching leagues mid season is really, really difficult. Hitters tend to perform better the more they've seen pitchers. And when you switch leagues, you just don't see those pitchers as often. And then uh, to add in, it's also, I, there's a fan graphs piece from a couple of years ago that showed this, but it's more difficult. Hitters perform worse making the jump from the National League to the American League as well. And so having that happen midseason, it's just really tough. And so I think he's probably more like, you know, a 40 home. I mean, he hit 36 or 37 last year, but I, uh, I'm really high on Framel Reyes. I think he's more like a 265, 270 guy with, yeah, I don't think my expectations for him aren't that much different from what I expect from Maddles. You're you like the visual of Chris right now is hilarious. <laughs> I didn't realize you're on your couch today. Are you always on your uh, well, couch? I yes. I don't have a uh an office chair yet. But you're and like I'm leaning I'm corner. lounging yeah. in this big it's like a big uh love seat. And I'm lounging in it because my neck is getting really sore. From having to like hunch over my oh, laptop. Podcasting's tough. It is physically demanding. People don't know well, that, but you have to lean mm-hmm. forward sometimes when you podcast, and that's really tough. You look also have him, this jacket on. <laughs> hold on, hold on, Adam. Some of us have jobs where we do things besides podcast as well. All right, sir. You know what? I just before I came on the show, I was late because I was changing a disgusting diaper, Chris. Whatever you have to do, I will gladly trade with you. That's a, that's a recre- that's a recreational activity you decided to take <laughs> on. Recreation. You know what? <laughs> don't don't I'm not don't criticize I'm not criticizing your hobbies. Here. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. It's the most fun wow. thing I've done in weeks though. Um all right, so I just okay, Chris's jacket is also hilarious. Um let's go to Matt <laughs> Boyd. Uh, Matt Boyd. Yeah. I uh really with Matt Boyd. I know a lot of people like Matt Boyd. Okay, so he gives up a ton of homers, but gets a lot of strikeouts. And tell me why he's a breakout this year. Let me just see where he's going. Oh, you can talk, and then I'll tell you where he's going. Yeah, he kind of broke out last year. So I don't know if this is – I'm kind of like cheating the system. I mean, he broke out in the first half last year. And I think you can argue that if he did what he did in the first half, in the second half last season, like if his halves were just swapped – Matt Boyd would probably be going around like five rounds earlier than where he's going right now. Uh, on the surface, 4.56 ERA, 1-2-3 whip. Uh, that was a disappointment, but 3.88 XFIP, 3.61 uh, Sierra Skill Interactive ERA. Tell us that he was unlucky last year. He allowed a ton of home runs. His home run to fly ball ratio in the second half last year was 20%, which to me, I just don't think that that's sustainable for him. Uh, and he had a look massive swing and miss potential. There's no doubt about it. 14% swinging strike rate. That was eighth among qualified starting pitchers, 238 strikeouts. Uh, that was tied for 10th in all of baseball last year with Patrick Corbin. Uh, and I, I look at different tools when it comes to analyzing pitchers. I like to look at chase rate, first pitch strike percentage, swinging strike rate. Um, and there were eight qualified starting pitchers who posted at least a 34% chase rate, 64% first pitch strike percentage, and 12% swinging strike rate. That's basically top 20 in each of those categories. Garrett Cole, Jacob deGrom, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Shane Bieber, Clayton Kershaw, Joe Musgrove, and Matthew Boyd. So he's in really good company there, uh, can establish the strike zone, get swings and misses, get people to chase. And there was a lot of talk in spring training about improved uh fastball velocity and improved curveball as well and if he has those extra weapons to accompany that slider i really think that he could take that next step and potentially even be a top 20 starting pitcher this year okay so the only thing is first half versus second half it was 12 starts it was two good it was two great months for boyd and then it was four bad months for boyd the way i break it down at least i mean yeah that's 
That's closer to accurate. I mean, I, I see first and second half stats cited most often for Boyd just because it's it, it's easy and I guess it's consistent with how a lot of uh, breaking down the season analysis works. But yeah, it's it was it, the stark contrast between the first four, two months and the final four. Yeah, and then it, for the positive side, the two names that come to mind. Let me just double check here. Um, uh, well, Jacob Degrom is one. He had a year, yeah, it was 2017, where his strikeout rate went way up to a career high 10.7, and his home run rate went way up, uh, 1.3 per nine, and his ERA was 3.53, which was really high for him. It's the only year it's been higher than 3.04. The following year, <laughs> in a 170 ERA, and he won the Cy Young for the first of two straight years, winning the Cy Young. So it's a lower level than Degrom, but it shows you what can happen when you take the strikeout jump, and you, if you can yeah. reduce the home runs, that could be so, really awesome. So I've been I've been kind of hedging my bet with Matthew Boyd. He's on my bust in my bust column, in part because of the way I did my bust column, I was I was highlighting players with true bottom out potential, and I think there's absolutely a scenario where Matthew Boyd just gets allows so many home runs that he becomes a complete afterthought in fantasy. Uh, but there's definitely a lot of upside too. And I found, I find I've drafted him a fair amount in leagues where I feel like I, I haven't quite given myself as much high end pitching as I wanted. And I, I want one guy who's halfway there. I feel like Matthew Boyd is halfway there and maybe the curveball is the game changer. I mean, a curveball is, a good ground ball pitch. So if that can help normalize that fly ball rate some, it could uh, it could get the home runs under control. Not only that, but it was kind of ridiculous how many home runs Matthew Boyd allowed yeah. during that four-month stretch. Like, unsustainably high. The only... It was 2.6 home runs per nine for those four months. The highest full-season home run per nine rate in MLB history is only 2.2. Versus the wow. 2.6 Matthew Boyd gave up. So it's, <laughs> it's, that's kind of wow. crazy. Yeah. By the way, did, how many of you out there, how many of you listeners, by a show of hands, when Scott said halfway there twice, how many of you just went to Bon Jovi in your minds? Because that definitely happened with me. Uh, Chris, final word on, did that happen with you, right, Chris? Uh, it does not no. Look like it. Really? No. Frank, no. I you're mean, from, I you're, mean, Chris looks yeah. irritated with you, as a matter of fact. Well, he said halfway no. there. He's, he's halfway there. He's halfway there. How do you not <laughs> go to living on a prayer? Well, because we're halfway there. It's a different thing. It's not. It's Whoa. the same exact thing. Uh, well, let me do some, some Matt Boyd rankings. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. What, you, you asked me my opinion well, on Matthew Boyd. Answer the rankings first, and then you can give your Matthew Boyd opinion. Uh, based on average draft position, we are looking at Robbie Ray, Mike Miner, Matthew Boyd in the 150 to 160 range. Robbie Ray, Mike Miner, Matthew Boyd. All lefties. I like Boyd more. Uh, I think I go Boyd, Miner, Ray. Although I do, part of it feels sort of silly because it's like we're hoping Matthew Boyd becomes Robbie Ray to a certain oh, extent. That's... Uh, he's already a better source of whip than Robbie Ray. Fair. By far. Fair. The control is better. But in terms of run prevention, uh, I guess strikeouts, he was already there. But we're we're still hoping he takes a leap to become someone who can post a high three ZRA. Whereas that's, you know, Robbie Ray can do that already. Um, but the the comp that is instructive to me with Matthew Boyd is Patrick Corbin. Uh, exceptional sliders, Patrick Corbin, you know, he's relied more on the slider the last couple of years than he ever had before. But another key for his 2018 breakout was he did start using a curveball. Now it didn't look, it wasn't super effective. It didn't look that much different from his slider. It was a little slower and it mostly served as a changeup. Uh, he used it more against right-handed batters and, and that's what I hope Matthew Boyd's curveball can be. You know, he needs that third pitch to keep hitters off balance. And I, I'm hoping that's what the curveball, and he started throwing a changeup this spring as well that he brought back. So, 
you know, there's two paths to it. And if the fastball velocity from that was up in the spring training continues, I, I think there's a pretty good chance he's a is a very good starting pitcher. All right, let's get to the busts for Frank Stample. So we had uh, Cesar Hernandez and Jay Happ as sleepers, Matthew Boyd and Framil Reyes as breakouts. Now we got some big names as busts: Jose Altuve and Trevor Bauer. Jose Altuve, a in our drafts like a round three pick. I've seen him go in round four. His average draft position, according to Fantasy Pros, is 30, 31. So there you go, round three, middle of round three. A bust for you, Frank. Jose Altuve. Yeah, Jose Altuve. It has nothing to do with uh, banging trash cans, tattoo gate, whatever you want to call it. Uh, that was an awesome cat, by the way, Chris. Chris's cat just like crawled across his Always. arm and like the back of his couch. That was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Uh, but when it comes to Jose Altuve, nothing to do with what happened uh, in terms of the allegations, the cheating scandals. It's more so the fact that he hasn't been able to stay healthy over the past two seasons. He's dealt with hamstring, knee injuries that has forced him to miss 63 games over the past two years. As a result, his stolen bases have decreased from 32 back in 2017 to 17 in 2018 to just six last year. Uh, he did break out in terms of power last season, 31 home runs. But I don't know that that is sustainable from uh, mid-June on when he returned from injury. He had 22 home runs with a 25% home run to fly ball ratio. Uh, his previous season high for an entire season was 14.6% in terms of home run to fly ball rate. So I think the power takes a step back. Uh, and his plate discipline is also starting to slip a little bit. Career high 15% strikeout rate last year. Uh, and his 7.5% walk rate was his lowest since 2015. Uh, his expected batting average was just 282 so if he hits closer to 285, his normal 20 to 25 home runs, less than 10 stolen bases, I don't think that he's going to wind up being better than someone like Ozzy Albies, who I have ranked as my top second baseman. Ooh, that's a nice take. So when would you take Jose Altuve? When would you be comfortable drafting him? Probably in the fourth round range. I think right after Cattell Marte goes, I actually prefer Cattell Marte over Jose Altuve as well. I just think Altuve is going to miss time at some point this year, and you can't really rely on him for stolen bases anymore, uh, which is, you know, the scarcest category uh, in Roto Leagues this upcoming season. So uh, probably in the fourth round range, once someone like Cattell Marte goes off the board. All right. And then why don't we just jump to Trevor Bauer and why you think Bauer is a bust? Yeah, I just think Trevor Bauer is overrated. Honestly, I think that we're all kind of chasing what he did two years ago, and it was a stellar season. There's no doubt about it. 2.21 ERA. But outside of that season, uh, every other year that he's pitched, he's had a 4.19 ERA or higher. Uh, and we mentioned Robbie Ray earlier in the show. I think Robbie Ray is a fair comp for Trevor Bauer, and you can get him like 75 picks later, according to CBS Sports ADP. So uh, look, if you look at their careers, Robbie Ray is a 4.11 ERA, 1.35 whip with a K per nine over 11 in Trevor Bauer's career. He has a 4.04 ERA, a 1.30 whip, and a 9.5 K per nine. I think, you know, the only people who are drafting Trevor Bauer still are probably people who have not been burned by him in the past. And there are a lot of people who have. Uh, I am one of those people as well. So I think it's, you only want to draft Trevor Bauer if you've never had the Trevor Bauer experience. And outside of one great season, it has not been great. Well, but you really are, you really are Heath Cummings though, because Heath and I used to argue about that a lot. And... I just think that he changed his arsenal, started throwing a slider in the 2017 season, and in his last 12 starts, he had a 2.42 ERA. He was incredible. He had 85 strikeouts in 78 innings, and then he backed that up in 2018. That's why I thought it was legit, and that's what I was expecting in 2019. He just he was really bad. But I, for, I'm willing to overlook the the career of Trevor Bauer because I think he's a different pitcher than he used to be. Obviously, I don't really have a great explanation for what happened last year. Uh, 34 home runs is quite a lot to give up. So that, you know, that's part of it. But Scott, yeah, I mean, he, needs to, he needs to figure out how he got so many ground balls in 2018. That's, that's, that's what I think it really comes down to. Otherwise he probably is looking at a four to four twenty ERA. Uh, you know, he throws a ton of innings. I mean, that, that is one difference between him and Robbie Ray is you're probably only getting 175 innings from Robbie Ray and you might get 215 from Trevor Bauer, even if he's not that good. I guess in a five by five context, you can make the case that 
you know, more innings of a four plus ERA is actually worse, but it does help his win potential. It does help his strikeout total. And obviously in a points league, it makes a big difference just straight up. Uh, I do want to point out Adam inadvertently proved one of Frank's points from earlier about Matthew Boyd. You cited the exact same number of starts at the end of 2017 for Trevor Bauer that you Yeah, and then he did it again for a full season. He did it again for a full season. I didn't write it off. I just said it wasn't first half, second half. Chris, you were paying you were probably napping on your cozy love seat. But Frank's point was that if Matthew Boyd had done it at the end of the season, he would be going much higher right now. Well, and I don't think I don't it know. really matters when you whether you do it at the beginning of a season or at the end of the season. It's about it, showing the skill. It does matter when you change your arsenal and there is a direct reason for it. And I think for, for Matthew Boyd, for a guy who's had a lousy career and has had 12 good starts in his career, basically, to be going 160th overall, I think that's actually, I think that's actually, I mean, you know, some respect there. But like, Trevor Bowers had a lousy career. He's Let's had one great year. Let's keep it at 100 f- emoji. He's had a lousy career with one great year. With with one with one yes. great year plus 12 starts. So that's one full season more than Matt Boyd has done. Sure. If you could take a a memory erase pill for 2018, which wouldn't be the first year that I would choose if I could do that. You know, there have been other worse years, but if you could take that and not know that Trevor Bauer did what he did in 2018, there would be zero difference between the two of them. Yeah, and that's right. not to say that's not to say that you should ignore what Trevor Bauer right. did in 2018. But the overwhelming majority of his career has been deeply, deeply mediocre. I don't. I. I. I know. But sometimes, you know, what's the point of predicting a breakout if we're just going to look at what people have done in their entire career? I mean, there's a reason why Trevor Bauer broke out, I thought anyway. So, <laughs> uh, you know, obviously we were all wrong about Bauer last year, but it seemed legit. Well, wasn't, wasn't this time a year ago, Chris was like the biggest yes. Trevor Bauer oh, yes. fan there was? Like, I had Trevor Bauer shot. swings, because I remember, like, before last year, you hated Trevor Bauer, too. And you were like, yeah. I, you, I can't, uh, it's probably not worth bringing Chris up. Chris hates, no, he hates Trevor Bauer. But you came up with this wow. hypothetical trade of Bauer for somebody else. Uh, it's not worth getting into. I don't remember it. But yeah, you hated Trevor Bauer. Oh, it was Marcelo Zuna. I was worried the Marlins were going to trade Marcelo Zuna at the peak of his value for Trevor Bauer. But wait. That uh, was... that was Okay. Chris, to be clear, Chris, this time last year actually loved Trevor Bauer. Yes. I had him as a top five starting <laughs> yes, I thought yeah. he was better than Blake Snell. And you know what? Wasn't wrong. No, well, <laughs> he was better than Blake Snell, yes. All right, guys. He had 253 strikeouts. I mean, that, let's not totally bury what he did last year. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he didn't live up to his ADP, clearly. Oh, that was fun. Frank, welcome back to the show. Uh, so that uh, covers Frank's sleepers, breakouts, and busts. And I'm sure you'll be able to see more of them on the website and hear more of them on uh, this podcast. We apparently missed some characters in the fictional character draft, so let's run through some emails here from Rita. She said, King Kelly... From the movie It Happens Every Spring, he's a scientist who discovers a substance that makes the ball impossible to hit because it is repelled by any wood. He joins a major league team and no hitter can ever get a hit. Takes them to the World Series. Ridiculous fantasy stats. All right. King Kelly. Never heard of him. If it repels... I'm thinking like a magnet. If it repels it, wouldn't it still feel the force of the bat? Like, wouldn't it still, like move with the force of the bat swinging it just never officially make contact you know what i'm I'm talking about i'm I'm thinking the other way we missed an opportunity to get robin williams character from flubber i was just thinking that you just Mm -hmm. cover your bat and flubber and (laughs) all you have to do is make a little but you just bunt it and it's gonna go out (laughs) okay yeah Uh, let me let me ask you a question frank if you were if you were uh batting against a major league pitcher like a Mike Miner, not a flamethrower, but a good major league pitcher. How confident are you that you'd be able to lay a bunt down? Not confident at all. Like you think you'd you'd miss three times? I would probably end up, I guess, bunt striking out. Like I don't know that I would be able to get it in the field of play confidently. Like I'd probably just foul it off everywhere or wind up like breaking one of my fingers because I'd hold the bat wrong. 
But if you Frank, had flubber, did you play high school baseball? I did, but I was very bad. Okay. <laughs> so, because I was thinking, like, Mike Miner probably throws, like, an 81-mile-an-hour breaking pitch of some sort. So that is probably, like, if you played high school baseball, you m- probably saw a couple of pitches that were harder than 81 miles an hour. But it's been a decade, roughly, right? Yeah, I, I probably did see a pitch that fast, but uh, I would liken myself to, I don't know, let's go with uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. Terrible hitter. I played center field. I would consider myself a plus defender, but I don't know how useful a plus defender and, and terrible hitter was in high school <laughs> baseball, but but that was me. Wait, you probably bunted a lot. Okay, did Probably any- pretty good. I mean, I, I doubt there are many high schoolers playing exemplary defense out there, right? They're pretty much all put at shortstop. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I appreciate you propping me Frank. up here, Scott. Look at that. Day one. Let's go, Frank. So, did anybody see the movie The Bench Warmers with Rob Schneider? Um, that's a classic movie. You seen it? Absolutely. Okay, so we got to vote. I haven't seen many movies, but I have seen that. We've got to vote for <laughs> Gus Matthews from Bench Warmers, I think is Rob Schneider's character, and Carlos from Bench Warmers. <laughs> Those are great characters. Yeah, Rob Schneider uh, was basically for the, I guess you want to call them the nerd team, which was the bench warmers. Uh, he was their pitcher and he was their hitter. And he was like a former bully from back in the day. And he was great. He was phenomenal. Uh, mind you, he was playing against like other little leaguers. Uh, and then Carlos was uh, a gentleman from the Dominican Republic that had a birth certificate that he wrote on it. I am 12. So that was his birth certificate. But he was actually like 30 years old and he was just striking everybody out. That does sound like a good movie. By the way, do uh, you know they're like sending movies straight to, you, you know, a VOD right now? You aware of this? Yeah. That's, yeah, we've heard of it. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to rent The Way Back with Ben Affleck. What is your interest level in that movie? The basketball movie. Oh, uh, uh, like zero. Really? <laughs> is he directing that one? I'm not sure. The, the Way Back? I... I've never heard of it. I, I guess that other movie was The Way, Way Back. Oh, The right? Way, Way yeah. Back is so that amazing. That is a great movie. One of the best. I love that movie. Yeah, one of the best. It's a good one. Okay. And then uh, from, ooh, I don't know who sent this. I'm sorry. But the perfect player for our draft was the kid who only hit, home, only hit homers from Matt Christopher's The Kid Who Only Hit Homers. Yeah, somebody tweeted me the actual name of that kid. It was uh, it's a... It was a unique name. Let me see if I can find that real quick. You but, know yeah. what I want? I don't want a kid who only hits homers. He's going to clog the bases. I want some small ball on my team. Gonna, how, what do you mean he's going clog to the clog bases. the bases? He, he only hits homers. The bases. <laughs> what are you talking about? Okay, and then the last one, we got a couple of votes for Sid Finch, who apparently was on an April Fool's edition of Sports Illustrated, throws a 168-mile-per-hour fastball. I have yeah. never heard of that. That's- it was it was I, apparent, like an April Fool's joke that a lot of people fell for apparently in the in the eighties was it? Yeah, I I was frantically. There's a point later in the draft where I, you can hear me frantically typing to try to figure out what that guy's name was, and I just I couldn't get to it in time before my next pick. <laughs> so who'd you take instead? Somebody from Major League? No, I think that was my last pick. It was uh, what's his name from For Love of the Game? Which great great pick. Steal of the draft, in my opinion. Oh, sure, sure. Billy Chapel, was that it? Billy Chapel, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. was so good, you don't remember his name. <laughs> Ellen liked it. Somebody, I'll, you know, since Frank is the host of the show now, Keenan emailed us and said, which concession stand, food or drink, best fits each position and why? And that just feels like a very difficult undertaking. But if you guys want to do that, I'll let Frank decide if that's that's a challenge that we want to take on right now. So I guess they mean for fantasy, like the depth of the position, or do they mean like like a tub of popcorn is playing catcher? Uh, this is what Keenan said. First base would be a hot dog. Almost everyone gets one, just like okay. almost every play goes to first. Second base uh. would be peanuts. Reliable, fun, impossible not to like unless you're allergic. That kind of stuff. Mm. So you need to engage the clever bone for this one, huh? I do not mm. like peanuts, by the way. I don't dislike them, but wow, <laughs> wow! One, one more Azer hot take. Yeah, for the no, road. I mean they're just they're they're whatever. I I don't seek out peanuts. Frank Stample, your uh, your take on peanuts, please. 
<laughs> I actually think that that is a fair take. I hope I didn't just oh. like lose half the audience there, but oh. yeah. I mean, you go to Five Guys halfway for the peanuts, right? You Definitely get not. A little tray of peanuts, snack on no. them while they're not cooking close. your burger. Definitely uh, bad not. take. Bad take, Scott. A horrible take. Horrible. But I will say, like, it's a receptacle for salt. There's very few things if you put a lot of salt on them that I'm not going to enjoy. And peanuts are among them. Yeah. You guys really don't eat the peanuts at Five Guys? No, we, I, I eat them. You don't go there halfway for the peanuts. I, don't, I couldn't well, care less about the peanuts. Well, obviously, it was hyperbole. Well, it was, I it was stupid, Scott. Like we've never heard that literary device before. I don't, I don't think I've ever had a peanut at a Five Guys. I'm there wow. for... I don't think well, so either. Well, because their burgers are big. Like, you, you got to get two patties unless you order a little burger, yeah, but I, I you're not a child. <laughs> but, you and know, then the fries, they give you... Take a while for them to cook your burger. They give you so many fries yeah, that I just, man. I don't have, I don't have space or time, frankly. Go solo with the fries? You don't share them? You gotta share If them. I go by myself, I'm not sure. Well, I'm just gonna hand some <laughs> fries to the person at the <laughs> maybe, table next to me? Maybe I've never been to Five Guys by myself before. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Guys is really I like snacking good. on peanuts. Yeah. Oh, by the way, yeah. the kid who only hit homers was Sylvester Codmeyer the third. Mm. Great fact, baseball name. Yeah, I tried to convince my wife we should name our first son Sylvester. I tried pretty hard, actually. I liked the name. But, yeah, uh, you made the right call. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. She made the right call, I guess I should say. So <laughs> we're, we ran out of time for the ADP. I want to be able to spend enough time on that. So we'll do that tomorrow. Let's read some emails about baseball uh, from Josiah in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. Who should I draft in my bad is good league season points league that rewards strikeouts, outs and caught stealing for batters, losses, blown saves, walks, runs and total bases for pitchers. I need bad players, but not so bad that they lose their jobs. Yeah, that's the thing you need. You need someone who's going to play every I used to be in one of these for basketball um, and it was really fun. And we call it a whack fantasy. And what you really need to focus on are bad players who still play. So I, I think the first pick has to be Chris Davis with a C, right? Like he's going to play <laughs> pretty much every one. day. He's going to strike out a ton. Uh, I, I think that's probably, although I guess he didn't, he didn't qualify for the batting title last year. Well, they benched him, so. right? For like a month, didn't they? I, I don't even remember the. Trials and tribulations. You weren't buying into the Chris Davis resurgence this spring, Chris. Oh, I mean, I just think you got to strike it out at all. Like one in nine at bats. You you got to go with the track record on this one. (laughs) Frank, who's the worst player? Who should go first in this in this draft? Yeah, I mean, Chris Davis with a C is a pretty good call there. I actually went over to Fangraphs and just sorted by offensive war and just looking at all the negative players. So I think that that's something that you can look at to do here. Uh, But someone like Brandon Crawford apparently was one of the worst offensive players last league and last year in baseball. But I think some of the veterans, too, that are owed a lot of money. Like if you weren't buying in on the Miguel Cabrera resurgence, like he's going to play and he might not be good at all. Same thing with like Albert Pujols. I think you can make the argument there. Uh, for a pitcher, look, some people are buying back in. I, I just can't do it. I haven't seen enough. Ronaldo Lopez, it seems like he's going to be given every opportunity. Yeah. His ERA was over five. His peripherals were over five. And he was just bad across the board last year. And it seems like he's going to get every opportunity to stay in that rotation. So, uh, yeah, I would just go over to Fangraphs and just kind of like sort by the worst pitchers. Like Rick Porcello is another one I think is going to have every opportunity to pitch for the Mets. My question is, do you get negative points when they do something good? Or is it just the bad things that they do? Oh, I don't know. I, I think that I would look at the Rockies pitching staff other than Marquez, right? And those guys are going to those guys are going to have some. Start Marquez at home. Start Marquez at home, yeah. All right, next email yeah. is from Mike. Dear Clayton, Walker, and Julio, Dodgers pitchers, thank you all for producing podcasts during this time of extended state-mandated introversion. Uh, I was intrigued by Chris's idea of drafting the entire Dodgers rotation. I considered doing it when he advocated it last year. Then I realized that for a head-to-head points league, anytime the Dodgers have a series at the Rockies, you'd have three to four of your starts for the week at Coors. Not ideal for weekly leagues, but maybe better for Roto? Question mark. Yeah, I mean, it's only nine games across the full season. You know, nine or ten games. So I, I don't think you... Because my, my, my thought isn't you just draft Dodgers and then you're just like, I don't have any other pitchers on my staff. 
you make those the core, but you have other guys to supplement it. And so in this instance, you can just slot other guys in for those three games. I, I, I still say this take is you're just basically saying Dodgers pitchers are good. You're, you're even admitting you're going to take other pitchers along with it. So this well, is this yeah. is not a, there's no purity to this approach. <laughs> you can't just have five pitchers on your fantasy roster, Scott. Well, I the, figured you your would point know. Was you draft more than just the five? Right, right? That, that was the well, point. Well, you can, still can't have just seven, Scott. Uh, you need other do. pitchers. Uh, yeah, you you need two closers, but you're gonna need more than you're not gonna necessarily have more than seven starting pitchers. Maybe eight. I don't know. Uh, depends on your bench. Yeah, I a, I think that it, it's a roto strategy for sure. Yeah, it is a roto strategy. Yeah, because uh, you're probably drafting. 12 pitchers total in Rota. Okay. You can take those swing guys with the Dodgers too, like Ross Stripling and Jimmy Nelson, if they get yeah, out of the bullpen. That's, yeah, that's the idea is you draft the five guys in the rotation, the t- Ross Stripling and uh, Dustin May, who are likely to be in the rotation when someone misses. That way you've got 162 starts from those seven guys. They're going to be great. And you, you still have three other starting pitchers, let's say. And, of course, the problem, the reason why this doesn't work is because before Dustin May and Ross Stripling make it to the rotation, they are going to be mostly useless players on your bench, and they will be the first two players that you drop when someone exciting comes <laughs> along on waivers. You're not dropping anyone because you drafted a perfect team. <laughs> of course. I, didn't, I f- always forget that part of the strategy. And this last one is from GR or Gurr. I'm in a shallower daily points league. My pitchers were, or are, DeGrom, Syndergaard, Corbin, Paddock, Montas, Boyd, Archer, Josh James, Rich Hill. He also had Chris Sale. So now he has Sale and Syndergaard. That's wonderful where he had him. Number one, would you drop Syndergaard for Michael Kopech, Caleb Smith, or Joe Musgrove? Oh, let's let Frank answer this one. Oh, well, this is an easy one, guys. This is uh, Joe Musgrove all the way. Something you'll learn about me is my love for Joe Musgrove, and I just cannot quit him. I still think that he has the opportunity to pan out to be a top 30 starting pitcher, has the command. Uh, We saw the pitch mix change down the stretch last year, and I think Ray Searage actually being gone from the Pirates is going to help their entire pitching staff from Musgrove to Mitch Keller, who I know Chris is a big fan of as well. Uh, So it's Joe Musgrove for me, unquestionably. I wrote a column about how the Pittsburgh Pirates pitching staff can win your fantasy league. I am with you on Musgrove. (laughs) Wait, are we going Dodgers pitchers or Pirates pitchers? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Combination of both. There you go. Those are the the three extra pitchers you need. Joe Musgrove, Mitch Keller, and Chris Archer. There you go. Wasn't that like the 1990 NLCS? No, I think the Reds were in that. Never mind. Okay, never mind. What a show off. But yeah, no. Uh, I I wrote five. I wrote about five pitchers going after 250 and ADP, who you can either target late in drafts or who might potentially be available on waivers to replace Noah Syndergaard. And Michael Kopech was one of the first ones I mentioned. We only saw him pitch one inning in spring training. We don't know how the delayed season is going to impact his availability, but I would expect we'll see him pretty close to the start of whatever the whenever the start of the season is. And the potential is enormous. Frank, you say Musgrove, Scott, uh, Chris says Kopech. Scott, who do you say? Uh, I, I don't share quite the same enthusiasm for Joe Musgrove, but he seems like the right choice here. Nonetheless, uh, I'd like, like Kopech is somebody I like to draft and stash, but I don't think you pass up Musgrove for him. Frank, how was day one at CBS? It was great. I, I enjoyed it a lot, guys. I'm looking forward to everything else that we do. Uh, some more takes from Adam Ader, some more peanut takes. Uh, Adam, have you tried Chef Boyardee yet? Since I haven't. Do you reveal that you haven't had Chef Boyardee I'm ever not, in your life? I'm not On going to have podcast. Chef Boyardee unless I can get a new can because I'm not touching my emergency supply of food. And I'm also afraid to leave my house and go to the grocery store. And Adam, send me your address. Whole Foods doesn't deliver Chef Boyardee, from what I understand. This is such a cop out. You could take one can no. from your emergency stash. No, what? Because what if I like it? Can. What if I like it? Then I'm going to want to eat all eight cans, Scott. I don't want to open that. <laughs> I don't want to open Pandora's <laughs> well, you bought box. Eight cans of Chef Boyardee, sight unseen. They were you seventy won't cents. Like it that much. Seventy cents each. So, 
Like I said, Scott, I, I, I chose budget over quality. Adam, what? right now, uh, sorry, I meant Adam. Okay. I'm, I, I've got a bit of a, I, I do that a lot. Uh, His middle name's Scott, it's fine. It's true. Right now on, oh yeah, he is Adam Scott. Okay. Right now on Amazon, you can buy a 12-pack of 7.5 ounce Chef Boyardee beef and tomato and meat sauce raviolis oh, for eleven seventy six. Jeez, I could do that. I could do that. Oh, how many? How big was the pack? Twelve, 12 pack. Oh, okay, that's that's reasonable. Yeah, dollar uh, Beef aroni is also eleven seventy six. What's I better? vote for beef aroni. Beef aroni. Cheese right. ravioli is a little more expensive. I might have yeah, to you do. Don't want the cheese. I've been having so much ravioli lately, though. <laughs> All right. Oh, it really sounds like you're coming up with excuses for getting out of this. <laughs> That's not untrue. We'll talk to you all tomorrow on Fantasy Baseball Today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for welcoming Frank in. Follow him. Uh, uh, what's your Twitter handle? I'm sorry. Is it just Frank Stample? Roto underscore Frank. Oh, not even close to Frank. By the way, uh, Siri has a very tough time pronouncing your last name. So uh, we'll talk to you all on Thursday. Thanks. <laughs>